Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Very happy to be here with Ann Wilson, who is the Senior Vice President for Government Affairs for the Motor and Equipment Manufacturers Association, which we know as MEMA. Ann Wilson, welcome to Automotive Insiders. How are you? I'm great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me today. Delighted. In case there's somebody out there in OESA MEMA land who doesn't know about you and your background and how you got involved with automotive, why don't you tell us, Anne? Well, you know, um, so first of all, let's just talk a little bit about what MEMA, MEMA is. We're a trade association. We represent um, motor vehicle suppliers, manufacturers in the United States, OESA members. We also represent the aftermarket. We represent heavy vehicle suppliers and remanufacturing suppliers. Um, And I think the important thing for people to realize is that motor vehicle suppliers, manufacturers in the U.S. were the largest employer of manufacturing jobs in the United States, almost 900,000 direct jobs. This is incredible in a time where we're having a crisis of employment or a time where communities are really suffering. Our members really are the backbone of many communities throughout this country. Good to know. Now, who are you? What's your involvement with this? And Anne, I'm always passionate about asking women with automotive, that word in their professional CV, how did you get started in the industry? What drew you to it? At what age, if I could ask? Go ahead, Anne. Well, I'm a lawyer for my sins. My mother's very proud of that, but uh, I, am a, I am a common commodity in Washington, D.C., a non-practicing lawyer. And my job is to represent suppliers in Washington. We represent suppliers on federal legislative issues, regulatory issues. We represent suppliers in the state issues, and we actually do some international work too. So I am the lead lobbyist for 900,000 Americans out there when they're looking at uh, issues that they might be concerned about. And it's interesting, you know, uh, we talk about how I got in the automotive industry, uh, I have represented a lot of different trade associations in my career, been in Washington for 30 years, used to work for the American Trucking Associations, but, and then I worked for the tire industry for a long time. But what really fascinates me and keeps me grounded in my MEMA work is the employment and technology that our industry really provides. And you look at things, you know, manufacturing jobs can change a family, can change a community for the better. It provides, you know, good, safe jobs for individual members of family, provides them to be able to plan for the future. And for a community, it can really provide that backbone of, of infrastructure, of funding, and um, a presence that only a manufacturer can bring to a local community. And this is absolutely, it can change the world. It can change individuals' lives. But it also can really have us give a focus and give us an opportunity as a community and individual families for us to plan for the future. And then when you look at technology, what technology our members are working on, our members provide two-thirds of the value of vehicles. 
So if you're going to go buy a new vehicle, a new car, a new um, SUV, most of the technology that is in that vehicle comes from the supplier community working with the vehicle manufacturers. And our members work every single day to make those cars safer, to make them more consumer friendly, to make them more environmentally friendly, so that it's really transforming mobility for every single American as we work across the country. And interesting and impressive. Your membership is huge. I very much appreciate the way you grounded it as the backbone of communities and culture and and steady employment, good for everybody. And right now, we know where we are. It's early May 2020. We are still in a virus crisis, the coronavirus pandemic, COVID-19, whatever you call it. I'd love to get your perspective, Anne, on the impact of COVID-19 on suppliers from your point of view, from your perch, if you will, at MEMA. Well, you know, we're in a unique place and it is a real crisis. It's a crisis uh, across the country hitting every single American and it's crisis facing everybody around the globe. We're at a place where we have not uh, produced a vehicle in the United States for 45 days, a light vehicle, car, or SUV. There is some heavy truck, commercial truck production going on, but we have not made a car or an SUV for individual purchase in the United States for 45 days. Now that is just incredible. And you think about our membership and what they do and how many of their workers are either at home or on furlough or have been laid off. That is the first issue that affects many of members. And then I think the other thing that we all have to keep in mind is the first priority for our industry is the health and safety of their workforce. And from a lobbyist perspective, from a public policy perspective, we have been trying to work with state governments as they kind of grapple with how do they get things open, what businesses should they allow open, what kind of ramp up for reopening if there's that possibility. At the same time, we're working with the federal government as they try to provide guidance to the states on how you reopen facilities and what facilities can stay open during this type of crisis. What do you require? How do you make sure that um, our suppliers have personal protective equipment? The vast majority of our jobs are in suppliers who are relatively small. So those folks have fewer resources, financial resources, other things that they have available to them to protect their employees. But obviously, protecting their employees is critically important. So we've been trying to provide access to our members to resources where they can get personal protective equipment, where they can understand what rules they have to follow, where they can understand what the best practices are so that they can model it for their own particular facility. I think the other part that we have to look at is overall the North American market. So the North American Free Trade Agreement has existed for basically the last generation of manufacturing in the United States. And we are very dependent on being able to manufacture in Canada, being able to manufacture in Mexico, and being able to manufacture in the United States and for product to go across those borders all the time. We have been trying to work very closely with uh, our elected officials in Washington, D.C., and um, President Trump and his administration to make sure that once we reopen in the United States, whatever that ramp, whatever that future looks like, we are able to reopen across North America. Then I think we also have to look at 
um, how we reopen and what it's going to take to reopen. And the bottom line is you need to have your employees there. They need to be safe. They need to know that they they need to know what their role is going to be and how their employer is going to take care of them in this continuing dialogue that we have about COVID-19. But we also need to have the funding available to do this. So most suppliers um, haven't made much in the last 45 days. So that means they don't have any money coming in. And we are a very raw material startup cost heavy industry. Um, Our members buy steel, they buy aluminum, they buy plastics products, they buy um, they buy uh, wire products, they buy fabric, they buy all these types of things. And we need to have funding coming into the industry so that we can have those startup costs. I kind of view it like um, an, an enormous ballroom. And, um, you know, it's like the party went out, but it's not as if you're going to go in there and you're just going to turn on all the lights and the chandeliers are going to pop and you're going to start again. This is a different world. We're all going to have to change. It's going to be a slow ramp up. It's going to have to be deliberate, but we're going to need to work with our state governments and our federal governments to make sure that we have funding available. We're going to have to work with our workforce to make sure they're comfortable and that we're meeting their needs so that we can have a successful operation, not just a month from now, but six months from now and six years from now. Thank you, Anne. Your job was always big as a lobbyist, but it sounds like it has grown exponentially in this current environment. I know you're very busy, but I have one more topic I'd love to get your perspective on, motor vehicle safety. What do suppliers need to know? Well, let's talk about safety for a little bit and what's going on. As most suppliers know, most people in the industry know, the world is really changing. And um, I use my 89-year-old mother as an example. So I was watching television with her one night, and she was seeing a a news ad about a a newspaper, news section, I'm sorry, about um, automated vehicles. And she said, why would I ever want an automated vehicle? And she just had to give up her car. I said, Mom, wouldn't you like to be able to have a system where at some point you could pay for the ability for somebody to pick you up without even somebody, but a vehicle to pick you up and take you to your friend's house, take you shopping and bring you home safely. And she said, of course I do. And I said, that's the dream of automated vehicles. That's the dream of automated technology. And not only can that those vehicles provide transportation to those who maybe been cut out of transportation, but they can do it safer. Most accidents in this country happen because of of um, the driver error. Um, We're seeing more and more accidents that are pedestrian-based, that are bicyclist-based, all of those types of accidents. And we need to really pursue legislation and regulation that gives us a roadmap of how we get this technology on the road. In addition, we are working constantly, as we are with the vehicle manufacturers, on creating um, vehicles that have lower emissions and greater fuel economy. Uh, This is becoming a requirement across the globe. We have to work on this so that this country can continue to be um, viable and be competitive. So our vehicles can be manufactured here and sent to any place else that they need to be sent. And we're going to continue to try to do that to perfect that system so that, that our fuel efficiency is better and our emissions are better. Ann Wilson. What would your parting message for this segment be to the suppliers in terms of keep looking ahead, be optimistic, get ready to dig in? What would you like to say before we close? 
Well, I think there's another piece of this that we haven't talked a lot about, and that's the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. Uh, it is the uh, uh, new NAFTA, so to speak. When President Trump was elected, he said one of his priorities was to renegotiate the North American Free Trade Agreement. He has done so. It will begin to be enforced on July 1st of this year. So what we have here is a massive change of how we do business in North America at the same time that we are grappling with a real fundamental economic and health crisis as a country. It is very, very important for suppliers across this country to pay attention to the details of this agreement, because even if you are not a direct supplier to a vehicle manufacturer, it will impact your supply base, it'll impact your customers, it will impact what duties you pay, and where we're going to actually be able to bring in manufacturing. One of the things that our trade association really liked about the renegotiated NAFTA was the ability to have more manufacturing in the United States. And this is a goal of President Trump's. It's one we share. But at this time where financial resources are really squeezed, we're going to have to be able to see how we can reshore some of that manufacturing in the U.S. and how we can make sure that the industry is getting the best advantage of every dollar they invest. Ann Wilson, it's been a pleasure meeting you, speaking with you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your expertise and your wisdom with us. I wish you well. Keep doing what you're doing. The suppliers need you at the helm, being their lobbyist. And I was so surprised when you said there has not been an automobile produced in the U.S. in 45 days. It, it just boggles the mind, Anne. It just it, 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 it epitomizes what has happened to manufacturing in this pandemic. It's probably one of those statistics that I don't know a person who would hear that and not say, seriously, what? Tell me that again. So I'm glad you mentioned it. It's always good to put things in perspective. Ann Wilson, wishing you all well. I hope to speak with you again. And this is Bonnie D. Graham for Automotive Insiders signing off. Be well, stay safe. Talk to you soon. Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.